Welcome back to KSCJ Radio, 1360 AM, 94.9 FM in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Brian Vikulskis, and this is Having Read That, conversations with authors about their books. My guest is Norman Solomon. He is the executive director of the Institute for Public Accuracy. He's also co-founder of RootsAction.org, and he's out with a brand new book. This one is called War Made Invisible, How America Hides the Human Toll of Its Military Machine. It is available everywhere, and as we sit on the precipice of Flag Day and everything we read about war in Ukraine and global war on terror, I found this a very interesting and timely read. Now, Norman, when I was in school some 40 years ago and studied about the wars, it all seemed to have real easy demarcation lines. The Civil War, the World War I, World War II, Korea, basically got into a little of Vietnam. The kids that are going to study 50 years from now the post-9-11 wars, what is that going to look like in schools? It's going to look like the water that fish swim in for many people who were born in this century because they've always known their country to at least vaguely be at war. You know, uh, when I was growing up uh, during the 1960s and 70s, when the Vietnam War was happening, we thought, hey, uh, when is this war going to end? People don't ask that question anymore because it is uh, so pervasive and assumed by young generations to be just the way things are. Well, we've seen that, and I, especially with Afghanistan, as I, as I remember watching that, I kept thinking, how will we know when the war's over or when we've won? Because I don't even know what we're trying to achieve. Is that one of the biggest problems that comes with the war machine now, is nobody really knows what the end game is? It is a huge problem because uh, the goals, what, as you say, we are ostensibly going to, are trying to achieve, that's very vague at best. And also it becomes so ongoing and it becomes sort of white noise in the media and after a while scarcely reported. And so then the question for the citizen and some extent the legislators on Capitol Hill in Washington is how do we challenge something that is assumed to be just everywhere and nowhere? It's just kind of ongoing. And that's why I call the book War Made Invisible because more and more in the last 20 years, we have no sense of this as people who, in our names with our tax dollars, are making these wars possible as U.S. citizens. Something else that you point out in the book I thought was interesting is this whole idea of the, the term defense spending. It's thrown around by politicians and even just normal commoners arguing about where tax money should be spent. So when somebody says they want to cut defense spending and you say, oh, no, you're, you're, a, you're a chicken hawk and all of that type of stuff, what does defense spending actually mean in today's nomenclature? Well, what it really means unconsciously is that those who feel that the military budget is too high are already giving away a lot of the argument. Because when you call something defense, it sounds pretty damn good. And, you know, let's face it, a country like ours, in this case, 750 military bases overseas, spending more on military than the next 10 countries combined in the world, and most of those countries are U.S. allies, it's a bit of a stretch, to put it mildly, to call this humongous military budget a defense budget. So, yes, we call it a capital D defense department, but... That doesn't mean the whole budget is going for defense. And something else that gets tied in with, with people having this visceral idea that you have to support the military is it seems that patriotism and, and being in favor of military operations go hand in hand. How did that come to be? Because I don't think it was always that way. Yes, I think that gradually over the decades and really a couple of centuries, 
patriotism has been defined and redefined as standing behind any war that the president really wants. And it's the erosion of Article One, Section 8 of the Constitution, which says that these decisions over war and peace must be made not by one individual in the White House, but by the Congress of the United States. And so that evolution, I think, and the pressures, the tremendous profits made from military contracting, and frankly, a lot of the media coverage, which is just feeling that it's necessary to rally behind the troops at times of war, even when the troops are often victims of the policies and who suffer the results and were never consulted in the first place about going to war. I know I'm late to the ballgame on this, but I just recently watched the Ken Burns special on the Vietnam War. And in your book, you talk about the Vietnam War, and you point out that one of the terrible realities of wars is uh, they're after they're over, they're not really over. And I imagine that, I, I think about the, si- the scene of the last helicopter leaving, leaving Saigon. And, but the war doesn't end there. But it kind of ends as far as the, the media goes. So how does the media complacent in this problem with how we view war? Well, we have the phrase, uh, during Vietnam, that is in the media even today, as though Vietnam doesn't exist as soon as the last helicopter leaves the embassy, as you point out, at the, at the end of the war in, in 1975. Agent Orange affecting now so many people still who have not passed away in the United States who are veterans, affecting their families, and of course in Vietnam, the tremendous poisoning from dioxin and other warfare substances that were used in huge quantities by the Pentagon. And so. I think in the news media in this country and the politics on Capitol Hill and along Pennsylvania Avenue really downplays, and again, this is in the title of my book, Invisible is the result of how we do deal with or don't deal with war. I think that has to change. If we're going to have the informed consent of the governed and authentic democracy or anything close to it, then the huge outlays of funding and the use of and misuse of lives with these war machineries operating, that has to be challenged. And a first step really is for us to inform ourselves, and the second step is really to be active people in terms of affecting the policies of our country instead of just passively consuming them. I'm chatting with Norman Solomon about his book, War Made Invisible, How America Hides the Human Toll of Its Military Machine. It is available everywhere. And, Norman, something else that comes into play quite a bit in your book is the use of these private contractors that work as part of the military machine, because the military machine itself is a lot more than just the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and that. So when the private contractors are involved, how does that affect the political decisions that are made that get us into these situations? It's really helpful to the PR operation of the Pentagon because they don't even have to acknowledge the deaths and injuries of private contractors. And it got to the point that there were more Pentagon private contractors in the Middle East in the last few years of the Iraq War than uniformed U.S. soldiers. And so for those Americans who go over there, yes, they make uh, good money, but they're also in dangerous situations. They often lose their lives. They're wounded. And then they have often no pensions, no support from the government afterwards. So this is another way in which... Our own wars are invisible to our own citizenry and our own media. I know we're also on the 
uh, historic forefront of former President Donald Trump being charged with the classified documents situation at his, uh, at his place in Florida. And you discuss in the book people who've gone through prosecutions for leaking government secrets and uh, involving the military. There's been plenty of examples over the years. But my initial question with respect to the these secrets, does that kind of depend in the eye of the beholder? I mean, if I looked at these, would I have any clue what I was looking at as far as any of the documents that we're talking about here? Well, uh, there's vast overclassification, there's no doubt, of documents. And a lot of the classification is not to protect the uh, United States from uh, other countries that uh, might harm us because the secrets would be learned by them. It's more to keep the information from the American people because of malfeasance, stupidity, lies that are, as the Pentagon Papers showed and subsequent revelations have shown, uh, those lies and deceptions are often the fabric that is woven by uh, those who are in the White House and in the Pentagon and in the State Department. It's sad to say, but it's true. Right now, you know, over the border uh, in Illinois uh, at the Marion Prison, there's uh, someone named Daniel Hale who's in the midst of serving a 45-month sentence for informing the American people as a uh, U.S. Air Force veteran about the fact that 90% in some cases of drone strikes by the U.S. military in places like Afghanistan never hit the intended targets, uh, usually killing civilians. That is information that the public has a right to know. The motivation, as the defendant said when he was being sentenced, was that people in our country should know what our own government is doing. That's a 180 difference in motivation compared to what we now have learned about what former President Trump was doing with classified documents. There's a certain honor in some of these disclosures, isn't there? I think so. Uh, Daniel Ellsberg, the great Pentagon Papers whistleblower, uh, had an easy choice, which would be to do what his colleagues did at the Rand Corporation and the Pentagon and the State Department, as he put it, just to keep our mouths shut. And the vast majority of people who learn of government malfeasance and lies in high positions having to do with war, that's exactly what they do. I think the real honor of those people in those situations is when they take the risk, they're willing to put their own lives on the line. Ellsberg was faced with uh, the rest of his life in prison to do what's right, and that ultimately is what democracy requires. We only scratched the surface of this book. It was so informative, and I learned a lot. The book is War Made Invisible, How America Hides the Human Toll of Its Military Machine. The book is by Norman Solomon. It's available everywhere. Norman, just a fascinating book and a great discussion, and I thank you for joining me to talk about it. Hey, thanks a lot, Brian. This has been Having Read That on KSCJ Radio. I'm Brian Vakalskis. Check out all of our episodes on our website, kscj.com, and subscribe to our iTunes podcasts. Thanks to music historian Molly Jolly and segment producer John Weasler. We will be back next time. I adore.